Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative to this guy for wisdom. majority country. It is just simply not. It's actually a marvel, folks, despite the indoctrination that's happened over decades in this country by the the Democrat Party to create an army of leftists that is going to outnumber the sane, rational, freedom-loving Americans who embrace the Constitution in this country, despite their infiltration of our universities, our education system via the public school system, despite their their infiltration of the bureaucracies throughout this nation, despite it all, folks, this nation is a majority conservative, a majority constitution-embracing American. That's right, folks. I mean, look, there's no doubt in my mind, at this very moment, there's a pushback happening, and this country is more conservative than the left wants you to think than the Democrat Party wants you to think. And they know it, folks. They know that this country is not a majority socialist. This country is not a majority Marxist, communist, Democrat. It's just not. I mean, look, despite the four-year campaign to destroy Donald Trump, think about this, folks. 2016, you know, Trump gets something like almost 63 million votes, and he defeats Hillary Clinton who got 65.8, almost 66 in the popular vote. And then Trump in 2020, despite the four years of dedication by the Democrat Party and their propagandist media to destroy Donald Trump, to to remove and distance, uh, separate Donald Trump from his base, Donald Trump got nearly 11 million, 12 million more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016, despite the left's efforts to destroy him. That's damning, folks. Folks, And what we're going to get into today is as a message of hope, because the Democrat Party knows, knows they've got nothing. They know this country is turning on them. Even the, even the Democrat Party today, even many in that party, even many in their base are turning their backs on the Democrat Party because they've gone fo- so far to the left. Don't doubt me on this, folks. And that's what this HR1, now called the S1 bill, right, the For the People Act, is about. That they're pushing so hard to pass to the House and then get approved in the Senate. The For the People Act, which is a For the Democrat Party Act. This is a typical trope of totalitarian regimes throughout history, like Nazi Germany and elsewhere. For the For the People Act is not for the people, it's for the Democrat Party. It's against the American people. This, of course, is what they're trying to get passed that will federalize elections and, and, and mark the end of free and fair elections in America. This is the act that will give the Democrat Party the ability to change election laws in all 50 states as they see fit. It's their way to make what happened in 2016, uh, sorry, in 2020, where they stole that election. And do not doubt me, folks, they did steal the election. We've got revelations coming out that I'm going to uh, enumerate for you in this program today that proves it. But you don't even just have to take my word for it, folks. We, we have got Jamal Bauman, or Bowman, I don't know what his name is. He's a 45-year-old uh, congressman from New York, of course, where AOC hails from. Uh, he goes on CNN. The guy's 45 years old. Like most Democrats, he looks 10 years older than he is. He doesn't have any youth whatsoever because lying and Marxism takes a toll, folks. We got Jamel Bowman letting the cat out of the bag. I want to play some audio of Jamel Bowman going on CNN and telling us what this uh, S-1 bill, the For the People Act, is really about. And what we need to realize is it is a damning admission on his part. Because he reveals that 2020 was stolen. He reveals that 
that this S1 bill, the For the People Act, is about making what happened in 2020 happen in every election going forward, which is to say they stole it then and they plan to steal it again, and they cannot win without stealing future elections. They cannot win without replicating 2020 in every election going forward. All right, here we go, folks. Here's Jamal Bowman, and, uh, and then we'll get into my own expert commentary, which is why you're listening to The Drew Allen Show. Here we go. The same relationships uh, need to be used that the, parent, the president has built over the course of his career to make sure we pass S1. Again, the American people have sent us here to deliver. If we deliver, we maintain power in 2022. If we don't and we show the inability to deliver, then we risk losing power and risk this moment in American history to really push a progressive democratic agenda. So this guy, Jamal Bauman, is admitting that they need this S1 for the People Act to pass in order to retain power in 2022. What does that mean? If they don't federalize elections, he's saying, if they don't take control of the levers of power and alter elections to their benefit in all 50 states, if they can't do this, they risk losing power in 2022. So what's the problem? You can't win in a free and fair election. That's what he's saying, folks. That's amazing. So he is admitting on CNN that they need elections to happen the same way they did in 2020 in order for them to retain power. And that's what this is about. This is what this has always been about, folks. And I want to play something else I said uh, just in the last episode. Because remember, Donald Trump went on the Hannity show and uh, a lot of people misconstrued that on the left because Donald Trump, uh, according to the left, admitted that he lost fair and square in 2020. Donald Trump conceded the 2020 election and recognized that he lost to Joe Biden, who got 80 million votes, which is an impossibility, by the way. It did not happen, and I'm going to get into those numbers in a minute. But here's what I had to say in response to this last week. And as usual, look, folks, Drew Allen, I am always ahead of the curve. I am always on top of it before everybody else catches up. I said in, la in the last episode that Donald Trump did not concede 2020. He was the same man, uh, the same fighter that he is, has been all along. And he was not conceding the 2020 election. That's not what he said. Donald Trump still stands by. Uh, the stolen election of what happened in 2020. And he continues to believe, like you and I do, that it was. And Jamal Bauman just admitted, unbeknownst to him perhaps, that that is what took place in 2020. But anyway, I told you all, don't get worried, don't get worked up, all right? Uh, you know, this is an attempt and an effort by the left, as they always do, to separate and create a, a schism between Donald Trump and his base. But they don't understand you and I. They don't understand the loyalty. They don't understand that the more they push and lie about Donald Trump, the more we dig in, the more we defend him, the more we support him. The more they attack, the more we stand up um, to fight for Donald Trump and America. But here's what I said uh, in the last episode. Oh, I know what the media wants to report. They want to act like... Trump put on a big show for the last year. He didn't mean what he said about it being stolen. And they want us now uh, to turn our backs on Donald Trump, okay? But that's, we got to keep our eye on the ball. Look, I, I uniquely understand the media. I understand what they're up to. I see the bigger picture. You know, I've got a bird's eye view of things. And I'm telling you, it didn't happen. So, so do not worry. You have nothing to, to fear, folks. Donald Trump is not weak. Donald Trump is not admitting in some way that he was wrong suggesting uh, 2020 was a stolen election. He is not you know, condemning himself or incriminating himself uh, to say, suggest that he just you know, didn't want to admit that he was defeated, that he was like Hillary Clinton who just you know, couldn't accept the election results. That didn't happen, folks. I know what they're reporting. It's not true. Our That's right. It wasn't true. Um, Donald Trump did not concede the 2020 election. And of course, now we have another interview with Donald Trump saying what I said 
in the last episode. So I want to play that for you because I've got some more insight. And Donald Trump, of course, provides some very illuminating information about his personal point of view on 2020. And, well, basically why we're in the position we're in today. And it comes back to, to Mike Pence and the failure that he is. And I'll get into why Mike Pence will not have my support and why I will condemn him and reject him in any of his future bids for the presidential nominee for the Republican Party. But here is Donald Trump speaking in his own words, uh, confirming what I said just last episode. I want to start with something you told Sean Hannity uh, last week. The headlines were about how you admitted defeat in the 2020 election when you said we didn't win. Is that an accurate headline? Did, did you admit defeat? I just want to understand that. No, I never admitted defeat. We have a lot of things happening right now. I think that that was an election that was, I don't think, all you have to do is read the newspapers and see what's coming out now. No, I never, the word is concede. I have not conceded. There you have it. The confirmation from the horse's mouth himself, from Donald Trump, that he has not conceded. Um... And look, you've got all of these efforts underway uh, in Georgia, for example, to demonstrate the cheating that took place there, which took place in all the swing states throughout this country, um, to prove that this was all a fix. I mean, Georgia is planning now to remove over 100,000 obsolete and outdated names off their voter rolls. Now, 100,000 people off their voter rolls? I mean, after the 2020 election took place, this is unbelievable. I mean, the margin of loss in Georgia for Donald Trump was something like 12,000 votes. And now they're going to get rid of 100,000 obsolete and outdated vote, uh, names off their voter rolls. I mean, this is so damning, folks. And it proves what we've been saying all along. That 2020 was a rigged election. And of course it was. And this takes me back. Well, you know, I wonder, folks, if I should get into this. And... Um, as I sit here and say this, of course, I am going to get into it. But this is like the Houston Astros. Now, recall, of course, the Houston Astros won the 2017 World Series. But, of course, they, well, they cheated in the 2017 World Series. Well, that entire season. They went in 2016 from winning 80-something games to winning 101 games, I think it was, in 2017, which was a miracle, right? So we know, of course, now, in retrospect, that... In the 2017 season, the Houston Astros had set up a camera in their own home outfield to steal pitches. Now, what does that mean? They set up a camera in the outfield to see the call signs that the catcher on the opponent's team was putting down. So they could, just, they could relay via this video feed um, whether or not um, the... the pitcher and the catcher on the opposing team what pitches they were sending if it was an off-speed pitch for example so they were you know of course this whole thing unfolded where they were using trash cans they were banging trash cans in the dugout of the houston astros at home to relay to the astros batters what type of pitch was coming in. If it wasn't a fastball, if it was a, 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 a off-speed pitch, a changeup, for example, well, the Houston Astros were telling their batter and giving them an unfair advantage as to what pitch was coming in. Now, they could only cheat at home games, of course, because that's where the, the setup was in the outfield in terms of the video feed. They couldn't cheat like this at away games. But the point is, they were cheating at home games. And now, of course, this led to them going all the way to the World Series, winning 100-plus games that season when they had only won 80-something games in the previous season. And they defeated the L.A. Dodgers uh, in the, to win the, the World Series title. But of course, it came to bear later on that the Astros were cheating by stealing these signs. But if you were going to go back and determine exactly which pitches resulted in runs or hits or so on and so forth, uh, it's an impossible statistical thing to prove. But the point is, the Astros were cheating. Now, 
that season, you can't go back, of course, and say that, well, um, uh, you know, on this particular pitch, on this particular occurrence at a home game, it generated a, a, a run for the Houston Astros. So they were able to win this game. You can't do it. But remember also that when the Astros throughout this time, when they were accused, for example, of cheating, when they were accused of, for example, um, uh, other teams they were playing against, opponents were saying, hey, these guys are like banging trash cans in the dugout. I think something fishy is going on. Well, the Houston Astros came out and uh, lambasted these people, saying it was a conspiracy theory, saying that, hey, you know, I mean, if it was that easy to steal pitches, we would have been doing this all along. These people are just, you know, upset because they're losing to us. Well, of course, it turned out that the Houston Astros were cheating. And the fact that they were cheating to begin with made that victory obsolete. An asterisk by the sign of the 2017 uh, Houston Astros World Series victory. They were cheating. And this is the same thing that happened in 2020. I mean, look, the Democrats uh, could only cheat in a huge capacity on their own home turf. And that would be these Democrat-run cities in which they were facilitating these... um, lapses in judgment on signature verification, for example, in which they were they were not choosing to uh, apply the same standards across the board. I mean, if you have a signature that doesn't look right, if you have these incoming mail-in ballots that uh, they don't fit uh, the, the, the requirements for being counted, I mean, the Democrats were just bringing these things in. We had issues time and time again in which you know, dozens, if not hundreds of mail-in ballots were being just mailed out to random apartment buildings in which people change their address and they're just floating around in the ether for people to stake, take in their hands and turn in for Democrat voters. We had people that were, that, that were testifying under perjury uh, that they had witnessed breakdowns in chain of custody in which the rules were not being followed throughout this country, especially in the swing states. And so my point is with the 2017 Astros, I mean, in their case, well, how can you go back after the 2017 season when you know they're cheating and prove exactly which which bats were cheated and exactly which pitches the Astros capitalized on? Well, the point is they cheated to begin with, and that made their season obsolete. And that's the thing, same thing that happened in 2020 times a thousand. Now, I'm going to get into some history with you in just a minute, but I want to play another clip uh, from Donald Trump in the same interview I'm referring to before, in which he is telling you that he does not agree with 2020. He still believes it was stolen, and he condemns Mike Pence for his role in all of this. And there is actually historical precedent for what happened in 2020. Many Americans don't understand that what happened in 2020 was not unprecedented because it happened in the 19th century in the same situation in which Democrats tried to steal an election then. But back then, the Republicans had, well, forgive me, they had balls, okay? They had cojones, and they did not concede the election like these feckless, spineless Republicans did in 2020. So I want to play what Donald Trump said about Mike Pence and his role in all of this and how things could have been different had the Republican Party actually had spines and fought for the integrity of elections and this country as a whole. All right, here's Donald Trump again in the same interview. Well, I've uh, always liked Mike, and I'm very disappointed that he didn't send it back to the legislatures. When you have more votes than you have voters in some cases, and when you have the kind of things that are... Uh, that were known in many cases, they were known then, but they're certainly getting better and better known now. Uh, I was disappointed that he didn't send it back. I felt he had the right to send it back, and uh, he should have sent it back. Uh, that's my opinion. And I think if he did, I think those legislate. look at Pennsylvania now, look at, look at Georgia, look at uh, Arizona, and look at others. They're all now looking at what happened during that election, I think you would have found that uh, you might very well have a different president right now had he sent him back. So there's Trump discussing, of course, uh, how things could have been different had Mike Pence and the Republican Party had cojones. And now I want to reference an article that I wrote back in April 3rd of this year. All right, let's see, April 3rd, May, 
June. So over two months ago. Uh, and this was my response to Mike Pence, uh, an article saying that he was laying the groundwork for a 2024 presidential run. I shot that down immediately and for the very reason that Donald Trump was mentioning there. Now, I want to get into this. I'm going to read, bear with me a little bit of this article, and then I'll use my own voice, of course, to keep you entertained, informed, engaged with your host here, Drew Allen. But here's what I wrote for AM Greatness. The contested election of 2020 was not unprecedented. In fact, it bears a striking similarity to the contested election of 1876. Booyakasha, as some uh, millennials might say. So, Look, the Democrat Party in 1876 was comprised of these ex-Confederates. They lost the Civil War, and they had not lost, however, their pro-slavery opinions, like the Democrat Party today. Still pro-slavery, by the way, but now it includes all Americans. But anyway, the fate of our nation hung in the balance back in 1876, all right? A, a Democrat victory back then foreshadow foreshadowed this regressive future uh, in our time, and um uh, you know, this is the same case today. You know, the, the 2020 election foreshadowed a regressive future in our time, per the Biden administration. And I am shocked that so many Republicans and, and so on and so forth on our side don't know this. Uh, but Republicans in 1876 were just as concerned about this rampant Democrat Party election fraud as we were in 2020. Now, Rutherford B. Hayes was the Republican presidential candidate 144 years ago. All right, and he predicted that his defeat would be by, and this is a quotation mark, by crime, by bribery, and repeating voters, okay? That's his quotation in the North, and by violence and intimidation in the South. Now, Trump likewise predicted that the 2020 election would be the most corrupt election in the history of our country. That's what Trump said. And both Trump and Rutherford B. Hayes were right. Now, I'm not going to rehash, as I said in the article, every instance of Democratic voter fraud in 2020 because that's redundant. This audience is smart. This audience understands. This audience already understands and knows what happened in 2020. But the stark difference between the contested election of 1876 and the contested election of 2020 is that one— Unlike Hayes, who went to sleep on election night certain of defeat, Trump went to bed certain of victory. Remember, we all went to bed that night. He was leading in every swing state. It looked like he was going to dominate, destroy um, uh, the Democrat Party and Joe Biden. But then the, 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 the counting miraculously stopped for the evening. That was unprecedented, by the way, that the, the counting just stopped. And remember, in, in, in Georgia, for example, you know, where they, were, where they were tallying votes, they came in and said, oh, well, this, you know, even the media itself, Fox News, CNN, all of them were like, well, we're getting reports here that um, um, there is a, um, a pipe leak and uh, there's overflowing and people are having to evacuate to stop the count. We learned later, of course, I think this was the State Farm Arena, it was called, where this was happening in Atlanta where we, we, we found out that a urinal was leaking. So obviously a urinal was not uh, interrupting the counting process. The counting, that was used as an, as an excuse that was reported to the media. But remember, the counting supposedly stopped. Um, those individuals, those Democrats who were counting the votes, told those who were monitoring the process to go home for the night that they were stopped and finished and weren't going to stop until the next, weren't going to continue counting until the next day. And then we have video cameras of these monitors leaving and then these bins and troves of ballots being pulled out from beneath the table and the counting continues all night. So this was BS from the beginning. And the fact checkers, of course, said, well, this is, uh, this is normal. It was not normal. So anyway, um, the second difference, of course, apart from Trump thinking he was going to win and Hayes thinking he was going to lose when he went to bed at night, well, the Republicans in 1876 refused to concede. They fought tooth and nail to prevent the Democrats from installing their illegitimate presidential candidate, who was Samuel Tilden, the Democrat Party candidate back in 1876. Well, the Republicans in 2020 folded like cheap lawn chairs. And in 1876, let's just rehash. The Democrats, so 
Samuel Tilden, the Democrat presidential candidate, won the popular vote. But there were three states that were contested. That would be Florida, Louisiana, and South Carolina. Now, 19 electoral votes were in dispute. But Democrats and Republicans claimed the victory. And the Democrats threatened Tilden or war. Now, remember in 1876, this is just, uh, you know, a decade, um, a little over a decade after the Civil War was fought. So, you know, death, destruction, the Civil War were actually very prominent in people's minds. And so for the Democrats to threaten Tilden or war is like way, way more monumental uh, a threat than it is today. I mean, more than 600,000 Americans had died in this bloody civil war just a decade before. But despite the tragedy, which was a living memory for Americans at that time, the Republicans still had backbone. They still refused to give in. They didn't take the threat to the Democrat Party because they were willing to defend the Republic. Because Republicans back then were, were guided by principle. And maybe it was the experience of the civil war that strengthened their, strengthened their resolve. But a stalemate ensued for three months in 1876, folks, because Democrats and Republicans both refused to give in. And so what ended up happening was that these contested states sent competing electors to Washington, D.C. But back then it wasn't unprecedented. But the Republicans didn't cave like Mike Pence did in 1876 when it came time to certify these electoral votes. In our case, in 2020, in 2020 with Pence... This is what Pence had to say, by the way. When the joint session of Congress convenes today, I will do my duty to see to it that we open the certificates of the electors of the several states, we hear objections raised by senators and representatives, and we count the votes of the electoral college for president and vice president in a manner consistent with our constitution, laws, and history. So help me God. Now, had our ancestors taken this approach back in 1876, Samuel Tilden, the, pre the Democrat presidential nominee, rather than Rutherford Hayes, would have been president. But they had titanium spines, the Republicans back then. They refused to make the concession. They didn't cave to pressure, whether it was public or political. And the upshot of the Republicans' absolute devotion to victory, because back then we wanted to win, we, we weren't interested like the Republican Party today of uh, losing with dignity, well, they formed this unprecedented bipartisan commission. It was five Senate members, five Supreme Court justices, and five House members. And they were appointed to decide on the award of the contested electoral votes. And they, invested the, the invest, they investigated the election. And the upshot, of course, of this is that there was some semblance and effort of transparency and due diligence, which ensured that whichever candidate was victorious in the end, well, the American people could, could, could have confidence in the integrity of the election system. And they could accept the president's legitimacy. But in the end, the Democrats knew they cheated. And so they hashed out this compromise behind closed doors, which resulted in terms that declared Rutherford Hayes the legitimate president of the United States. But we didn't have this transparency or due diligence in 2020. I mean, days after the November 6th general election, remember... Before any legal battles could even be mounted, before any substantive investigation had even taken place, these spineless Republicans, these globalists like George Bush immediately declared Joe Biden the victor. Remember, George Bush, who, by the way, I have zero respect for, who I reject, who I despise at this point, he said before this investigation could even be mounted, he said the race was fundamentally fair. Fundamentally fair? Are you kidding me? Pennsylvania was on its face a joke. I mean, it was unconstitutional what happened in that specific state. Where I've talked about before, and most of you understand, that the Supreme Court had no constitutional authority to intervene in the election law, to change the election law. That, that ability was constitutionally delegated to the state legislature. And so they overstepped and, and committed an unconstitutional uh, violation by changing the election laws. So anyway, here's Pence, of course, with his quotation. It is my considered judgment that my oath to support and defend the Constitution constrains me from claiming unilateral authority to determine which electoral vote should be counted 
and which should not. That's what Pence declared. You know, but Pence, of course, didn't support and defend the Constitution. He revealed that he wasn't willing to fight for the Constitution. And Pence may very well, look, be a good and decent man, but that's not enough. Because America needs men who are good and decent, but also uncompromising when necessary. And I wrote this in the American Greatness piece. Like a great film, it's the third and final act that matters. Pence may have put on a good show in the first two acts, but in the third act, he fell apart. That was the only act that mattered. Pence doesn't have what it takes. And Pence doesn't have what it takes, folks. And a lot of these Republicans don't have what it takes. And we're in a fight for the very existence of America. We're in a fight for constitutionality. And Donald Trump admitted exactly what I've been saying here, that 2020 was a rigged election and we all knew it. And we've been condemned. And that's why the Democrat Party is so fiercely promoting this myth of the January 6th insurrection because they've got nothing. They don't have any ammunition. They are so far left, so far gone, destroying their own party that they need to continue to... Let me put it this way, folks, before we take a short break here. This has been a long segment, but I've got a lot to say, obviously. Look, if the Democrat Party was confident in their chances of victory, if they were so confident that they won fair and square in 2020, if they were so confident that the majority of Americans backed them and thought that their virtues, ideals, and policies were, were effective and good for this nation, why would they be continuing to attack Donald Trump? Why would they be, be continuing to act as if you know they were on their backs? I mean, if you're confident about the election of 2020, why would you oppose the auditing that's taking place throughout this country? The point is, folks, they know they cheated, and they know they can't win unless they continue cheating in the future. They are in deep doo-doo, so to speak, and, well, we're on the rise. If we can, well, the caveat, of course, is having Republicans that are willing to do the right thing, that aren't willing to cave. But the message of this long segment, of course, is that, look, this country is a majority conservative. The Democrats know they can't win unless they cheat in the future, and that's why they promote this myth of white supremacy, because the Democrat Party has built their party on the necessity of the American people accepting this lie that America is systemically racist, that white supremacy is the greatest threat to this country, and that the Democrat Party is the party of virtue. The Democrat Party is uniquely qualified to solve the problems in America. But of course, you and I know because we're brilliant and we understand the Marxist left that the Democrat Party doesn't have solutions. They don't want to solve the problems in the country because if they solve the problems in this country, they would cease to exist because their party is built upon and predicated upon the existence of racial injustice in this country. And if there isn't racial injustice, if there aren't problems to solve, well, the Democrat Party doesn't have anything to run on. All right, this is Drew Allen. When we get back, uh, we'll get into some other issues of the day. Rushbo, Rush Limbaugh, uh, rest in peace. You know, um, I, you know, the relationship between Rush Limbaugh and his brother, David Limbaugh, is reminiscent of a relationship in my family between Byron Nelson, who was a great golfer, one of the greatest golfers who ever lived, and his brother, Charles Nelson. Now, I had a relationship with Charles Nelson especially later in his life before he passed away, in which we became very, very close discussing all things Byron Nelson, all things uh, Byron and Charles Nelson. And, By and, and Charles Nelson always told me, he was the younger brother of Byron, that Byron Nelson, 
his brother Byron was his hero. And uh, I think that's, that's, that's absolutely true with regard to Rush and David Nelson. Now, I don't know either of them, but I uh, can surmise, based on what I've seen, that, you know, uh, David Limbaugh is a success in his own right. This, this gentleman is a brilliant writer, a brilliant, brilliant author, a brilliant lawyer. But, you know, his brother Rush um, had the success that few well, few in the world experience. I mean, Rush was one of the most famous, most successful, obviously, uh, radio hosts, conservative radio hosts in, in, in world history. And um, David Limbaugh, in, in some ways, lived under, under his shadow, I presume. Um, that's not to say that Charles, that, that David Limbaugh wasn't a success. He was, but... I mean, Rush is Rush, and in Byron Nelson's situation, Byron Nelson was Byron Nelson. I mean, the guy was Athlete of the Year two two years in a row in 1944 and 1945, and um, you know he's a legend of the game. He 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 still has a tournament played in his honor, the Byron Nelson Tournament in Dallas, Texas, and um, I don't know. In 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 an interesting way, I I, I respond to Rush's legacy in a different way than maybe some other individuals do because in my own family, in my own conversations, I kind of, I have a unique insight into what that's like. And uh, anyway, I don't play that song to, to claim to be Rush Limbaugh or his heir. That's, that's not the case at all. There's only one Rush who will ever exist. And if you listen to previous ex- episodes, occasionally I pray, play that, that introduction uh, just because I, I miss Rush Limbaugh. And um, there's no one like him. There will never be anyone like him again. Uh, but anyway, we're back. Uh, this is Drew Allen, your, your host. If you're just joining me for the first time, I am a 34-year-old millennial conservative, the uh, voice of confident conservatism. And we're fighting a war to make other Americans uh, proud and confident to be conservative, to reject the false premise that it's cool to be a liberal, because it's not cool to be a liberal. It's stupid. To be a liberal, but anyway, I want to continue. Um, Allah, the last segment about this S one HR one for the People Act, because the Democrat Party continues to push things down our throats. I, I would remind you, for example, that just recently was reported that a uh, <laughs> overseas at a military base. They had a drag show. Now, look, I'm not condemning drag shows. Drag shows are just fine and dandy if you're into that sort of thing. But uh, it's indisputable that the majority of people who are on military bases in this country who are serving are not interested in drag shows. But, of course, the Democrat Party is shoving this down people's throats for maximum normalization. And this is true of uh, the... H.R. 1, S.R. 1 bill, the For the People Act, which would federalize elections. Now, of course, what a lot of these Republican legislatures are doing throughout the country are requiring voting IDs. Can you imagine folks requiring proof of identification for the most important um, uh, thing that we do in our nation, which is voting for a presidential candidate, for a president of the United States, or a congressman, etc. Now, of course, we require voting IDs, uh, we, we require photo identification, I should say, to purchase alcohol, uh, to go on an airplane, and for all manner of things in this country, but that's not racist. It's only racist and discriminatory and voter suppression if you require proof of identity for voting in this country. Now, there is a new poll out by the Monmouth, it's called the Monmouth University Poll. Now, 80%, according to this poll, 80% of Americans support requiring voters to show photo identification in order to cast a ballot. So 80% of Americans are okay with this, but the Democrat Party continues to call this Jim Crow era stuff. You know, it's racist to ask for an ID at the polls. This is um, typical of the Democrat Party. They're out of touch with the American people. 
They are out of touch with reality. And uh, it is proof, of course, that the Democrat Party is intent upon cheating. It is proof that uh, their future depends upon fake ballots, um, fake individuals that are not citizens voting for them, and these massive, this massive influx of mail-in ballots uh, in which they don't require any kind of signature verification, etc., even though every European country in the world and almost every country in the world has proclaimed and made it illegal and banned uh, mail-in ballots because they know that mail-in ballots are the greatest source of voter uh, fraud in their nations. We had our own uh, bi bipartisan commission that ascertain the same information. Even France doesn't allow mail-in ballots. They have prohibited them because they have found that they are a source of voter fraud. So anyway, I just want to say that 80% of Americans are pro-voter ID. So this Democrat Party myth and lie that voter IDs are somehow voter suppression is all BS, folks. But let's get into the fun stuff, huh? So Hunter Biden, do you remember... Hunter Biden, I mean, obviously, you know, the Joe Biden family is absolutely corrupt. Uh, but Hunter Biden still hasn't divested from a Chinese government-linked investment firm. That is, as of today, which is June 22nd, I believe, June 23rd, 2021. So I want to refer back to a story because the Biden family is perhaps even more corrupt than the Clinton family, which is even more corrupt than the Obama family, which is pretty astounding, by the way. This is third world corruption. But I want to refer back to a, um, a piece from the Daily Mail back in December 24th of 2020. So this is the headline of the article back, you know, back in December 24th of 2020. Hunter Biden is finally divesting from Chinese-owned investment fund as his father, Joe Biden, promised he would not risk any conflicts of interest. So back then, of course, it was, a, it was very concerning that Hunter Biden had these close associations with the Chinese government. Remember, of course, that Burisma, this Ukrainian energy firm, uh, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, had zero experience in energy and yet was being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, well, millions of dollars over the course of a year to sit on their board. So, gee, that's interesting. Why would Hunter Biden, who has no experience in the energy sector, be being paid all this money? Hmm, I wonder. This is reminiscent, of course, of the Clinton family, the Clinton crime syndicate, whose foundation received tens of millions of dollars uh, for nothing in charity donations, uh, of course, on the hopes of the premise that uh, she, Hillary Clinton, the devil herself, was going to be elected president. And of course, when she wasn't elected president, this influx of money dried up. But Hunter Biden still apparently has not divested from this company. So here's an article from the Washington Examiner as of June 21st. All right. Just a couple days ago. Here's the headline. Hunter Biden still hasn't divested from Chinese government-linked investment firm. So Hunter Biden still appears to hold an ownership stake in a Chinese government-linked investment firm, despite repeated pledges from President Joe Biden that his family would not have any foreign business ties. Now, this is absolutely ridiculous. This is um, grounds for impeachment. Because remember that, uh, of course, Donald Trump was attacked. He was impeached uh, over his so-called Russia collusion in which they made false claims and false allegations that Trump was colluding with the Russian government to win the 2016 election and so on and so forth. Trump had business dealings with Russia, which were never proven true. And here we have absolutely indisputable proof that Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, is still invested in a Chinese communist state-controlled company, receiving money from them, invested in them, and he is not divested, despite Joe, Joe Biden's pledge that his company would not have any conflicts of interest.
But this is unbelievable because it goes further than that because we know as well now that Hunter Biden is now not only receiving money from the Chinese uh, uh, communist government in this, uh, you know, firm that he's invested in, but uh, he is now painting. Did you know this? Joe Hunter Biden is not only an inept um, millionaire based on having no experience in the energy sector, sitting on the board of an, you know, an energy company called Burisma, but now he's being offered hundreds of thousands of dollars for his painting. Hunter Biden is an artiste. Um, I, I, I don't know what you know about the art industry, but you know, being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for your artwork is quite a feat. It shows quite a lot of clout in the art world. And so Hunter Biden has no experience painting, but all of a sudden he's decided to start painting. And uh, all of a sudden the Russians, the Chinese, and other foreign enemies are suddenly interested in perhaps purchasing his artwork to, to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, this, uh, this administration is a dumpster fire. They're an absolute disgrace to America. Uh, Joe Biden should be impeached for this, by the way, because not only has he not divested uh, from this Chinese government-linked investment firm, but now he is painting, and the goal is to sell this artwork to foreign enemies uh, while his father is president of the United States. I just thought that you would want to um, be in the know about what's going on here. Um, Hunter Biden is and Joe Biden are perhaps the most corrupt American individuals who have ever served in office. We know that Joe Biden doesn't even have his brain intact. We know that Joe Biden isn't even aware of what he had for breakfast. And now we have Hunter Biden, who is the biggest loser. Uh, well, he's one of the biggest losers in American history. That's not just to say a president's son, a false president's son is a loser, but Hunter Biden is an absolute loser. This guy's a disgrace to humanity. And um, he's now apparently looking to get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars despite ever taking, having never taken an art class in his life and just picking up art. So now he's expecting to be paid all this money uh, for his artwork. But that's where we are, folks. I mean, of course, you know, if this was Trump's family, imagine that one of Trump's sons was uh, suddenly taking out painting and uh, offering his work up to uh, the Russians and the Chinese. That would, of course, be a grounds for impeachment. It's grounds for impeachment for Hunter Biden. But of course, the um, propagandist media is uninterested in the story, just as they are uninterested in the revelation recently that a uh, congressman, uh, a senator, I'm sorry, out of Rhode Island, belongs to an all-white, exclusively white beach club in his home state of Rhode Island. But of course, this isn't cause for alarm. You know, um, obviously if a Republican was a member of an all-white, exclusive, uh, discriminatory beach club, that would be the end of their political careers. But if you're a Democrat, that's okay. Because the Democrat Party, of course, is the party of uh, open-mindedness, of, um, of um, uh, civil rights, of uh, anti-discrimination, of uh, they're they're pro-black, and yet this uh, Democrat senator from Rhode Island is a member at an all-whites only beach club. This is uh, true of the Democrat Party. You know, all the racists in this country seem to gravitate towards the Democrat Party, and I guess I should get into it right now about this Juneteenth again. I talked about it last episode, uh, but I will say some more things that will keep both my current audience, who's been with me for a little time now, interested and intrigued, and also for you new listeners to understand exactly who I am, Drew Allen, who does not shy away from the facts and the truth. Juneteenth is a disgrace, um, and Republicans who support Juneteenth, which is the arbitrary date uh, that is supposed to represent for Republicans 
uh, the elimination of slavery in this country, finally. Now, that was the date that finally word traveled to Galveston, Texas, in which blacks and others learned that, well, the Civil War was over. Because uh, in April, Robert E. Lee had finally surrendered at Appomattox. But, of course, it took time for word to travel all the way from Virginia down to Galveston, Texas, to let them know finally. Now, of course, 1863 is when the Emancipation Proclamation was was actually passed, which actually got rid of slavery. And then it was many months later in which the amendments were passed, which made it impossible for any amoral man going forward to, uh, how do I say this, to misinterpret, reinterpret, lie about, the Declaration of, of Independence and Constitution to deny those rights from black Americans. But of course, the Democrat Party, in passing Juneteenth, pretends to be the friend of black Americans, even though they fail to mention time and time again that it is the Democrat Party who is the party of the KKK, it's the Democrat Party who was pro-slavery, it's the Democrat Party who's always been the party of slavery, just as in just as is indicated today by this Democrat senator in Rhode Island who belongs to an all-white, discriminatory, segregatory, you know, pro-segregation uh, country club. And Joe Biden, of course, who's a famous racist himself. Hunter Biden, who sends text messages to his white lawyer, who uses repeatedly the N-word time and time again. But this is lost on the Democrat Party. So now the Republicans, you, sorry, I've got to say this honestly. I don't hold, I don't pull punches here. You Republicans who supported Juneteenth thinking that uh, this is a celebratory occasion, you know, to of, of overcoming, uh, you know, America's past transgressions. You're an idiot. Because it doesn't matter what you think Juneteenth represents. It's how it's weaponized and utilized going forward. Because, you know, the swastika, preceding the Nazi party's um, usage of it was a symbol of well-being in Sanskrit for the Indian people and other cultures and religions throughout history. But of course today, the uh, swastika is symbolic of the Nazi party and evil. Well, this is the same way Juneteenth is going to be utilized going forward. It doesn't matter if you think it means it's a celebratory moment. It's not going to be used that way. I mean, Maxine Waters has already come out and said, you know, Juneteenth is an opportunity to point out and educate ourselves about, uh, you know, voter suppression in all these 14 states, you know, to promote the passage of what we've been talking about. This, you know, this S1 for the People Act, which destroys free and fair elections. And I've said this time and time again. That's how they're going to use it. Now we have two Independence Days. One for white supremacists, which is July 4th, according to the Democrats. And one for those who hate America, which are Democrats. So your Republicans are idiots. You have a, you're so short-sighted. You don't understand the, the grand scale of things. You don't understand the long game. You don't understand clearly the enemy we face. There can be no concession between the Republican Party and the Democrat Party today because everything they're doing is intended to divide Americans. And it goes back to the, the pride flag hanging at our national parks, if you're not familiar with that. It goes back to the BLM flag flying at our American embassies throughout the world. The Democrat Party cannot have unity. They cannot have patriotism. They cannot have people unite behind the American flag. Their entire future is dependent upon the proliferation of this false idea of white supremacy in this country. And that's why they're pushing the January 6th insurrection. That's why Jen Psaki is going on the record saying January 6th is somehow um, reason for us to pass this For the People Act to eradicate elections. I mean... I, it's really mind-boggling to me that Republicans still can't understand this. I mean, this is not new. Uh, this has been happening since Reagan's time, in which they promise him curbing, you know, illegal immigration if he'll just pass amnesty or this and that, and they go back on their word. This is how the Democrat Party works. And we've got so many people in the Republican Party who are naive or have their hands, heads in the sands, in the, in the sand or whatever it is, that just refuse to 
to, to acknowledge reality. So anyway, to come full circle, as Jin Saki would say, we now have a, um, a uh, son of the supposed current president, president of the United States, who not only has not divested from his Chinese government-linked investments firm, as promised, but he's also now making art to sell to foreign enemies. So nothing to see here, folks, though, of course. Uh, everything's good in America as we see it. Uh, there's no corruption whatsoever. And uh, the Republicans uh, are voting for the passage of Juneteenth to create a holiday in which annually we will now celebrate the transgressions of America and promote the idea that America is a racist country um, and that white people are to blame for everything wrong in this nation even while we refuse to acknowledge the fact that the Democrat Party is actually the party of racism in this country and continues to be so today. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we get back, we will close out this awesome episode in podcast and excellence. This is Drew Allen, and we'll be right back. Well, it's being reported that apparently corporations like ESPN are discriminating against their employees who refuse to get the COVID vaccination. Uh, companies throughout this nation are discriminating against their own employees. In ESPN's case, it's being reported that uh, employees that don't get the COVID vaccination are not being allowed uh, to work on site. They're not being allowed and permitted uh, to do their jobs. And like I started this program with, I am always ahead of the curve because, you know, the upshot of my living in California is that I know where the Marx, I live in the, well, ground zero for the Marxist left. I am living in ground zero for what is in store for the rest of the country before you even know it's going to hit you. And that's why I'm actually deciding to stay here uh, for a little while now because it benefits my ability to communicate with you how dangerous uh, things are in this country and to warn you about the dangers that you face in these quote-unquote red states or in your bubbles where you think you're safe. That's not the case. But uh, once again, I'm going to return to the last episode in which I warned everyone living in California, well, you know, myself living in California, that is to say, about what is to come, about the civil rights movement of our time in which the unvaccinated are the new African Americans. That's right. We are regressing back to a pre-1964 era in America in which those who are not vaccinated are treated the same way as pariahs of society and their rights are denied to them, or let me put it this way. We live in an era now in which so many Americans believe their rights come from the government. They're not unalienable, as is promised in our Constitution, but many Americans believe their rights come from man. And today, that de is dependent upon your vaccinated status. So if you're not vaccinated, you're going to be discriminated against. If you're not vaccinated, you're going to be, well, your rights um, are going to be limited based on that status. But here's what I had to say just uh, an episode or two ago. The beginning of a new pre-1964 era of discrimination. That's right. Discrimination is back in vogue. Because as of today in California, employers 
are carrying out the discriminatory practices of the new edict by Newsom to grant the vaccinated rights and withhold those rights from those who have refused to stick their arms and receive the COVID vaccine. Well, there you have it, folks. I was ahead of the curve uh, once again on another issue. And this is where things have been headed for a long time and where they continue to go. And this really, truly is the civil rights movement of our time. And, of course, this is absurd on its face because we know as a matter of science that herd immunity or actually having contracted the virus yourself uh, gives you greater immunity than any vaccine can. And now we have, of course, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the disgrace the Robert McNamara of our COVID-19 war coming out and now warning us that the Delta variant is the greatest threat to America, which, of course, you know, is amazing to me because I thought that white supremacy was the greatest threat to America. But apparently it's this new variant of COVID. And he is saying that the, you know, get the vaccine, get the vaccine, because that's the greatest, uh, you know, what am I trying to say? That's the greatest obstacle to getting the Delta variant, which is stupid, by the way. Uh, we have so many thousands of cases of individuals who have been vaccinated who are testing positive for COVID. So anyway, the point is, now we have a Delta variant. That's the fear. And... The Democrat Party, look, I wrote about this in my book. It's called Uncommon Sense, by the way. I'm not hawking things, but if you want to read it, it's great. Because I predicted all of this last year back in November about where this was going. Once you give up your rights, it's very hard to get them back. And furthermore, those who have this power and authority in America don't want to give it up. And that's what's happening right now. So now they're trying to fearmonger again with this Delta variant and everything else. I mean, look, COVID's here to stay, and it's not going anywhere. And now they're trying to push the vaccine, the vaccine, the vaccine. Even though, by the way, WHO, which is a communist organization, by the way, uh, they are now saying that those who are 18 years old and under should not get the COVID vaccination because it can be harmful to them and it's unnecessary for them to receive it. And yet how many 18-year-olds and younger have already gotten the vaccination because prior to this sudden change in their understanding of science, they've already been stuck with the COVID vaccination. Uh, this is absolutely egregious and disgusting. I don't understand how Dr. Fauci can continue to go on the air and get airtime talking about anything because this guy is the, one of the stupidest man, men, well, well, certainly in American history, but probably in world history as well. Uh, but it's not that he's stupid. It's more that um, he is a liar. And uh, here we go again. Now we're supposed to be scared about the Delta variant and this and that. And so, you know, many are concerned, of course, that this is going to be fodder for emperors and dictators like Gavin Newsom to shut down the country again. I don't know that that's going to go over well with the American people again. We've tried this before, and people are suddenly, finally enjoying freedom again. And I, I am hopeful, at least, where I live in the communist state of California, that people don't want to give that up again. But... Um, Anyway, you know, I predicted that that's where this was headed in terms of discrimination against people who weren't vaccinated. And, uh, of course, that's where we are today with ESPN and these other companies. And I would remind you, uh, per previous podcasts that I've done as well, that this is no different than what happened in the segregation era of this nation. Uh, any corporation or company who discriminates against their employees based on their vaccination status, uh, well, you're amoral. 
You're reprehensible and you are a disgusting individual because you, who would discriminate against someone based on their vaccination status because the government tells you to do so, are no better than those whites in the civil rights era who would not serve black Americans in their white establishments because the law of the land at that time was blacks not allowed in white establishments. Blacks have their own water fountains. Blacks have their own bathrooms. Well, you're sick and depraved. And that's where, where well, that's how I view you today. You're no different. And that's why we've got to fight back against this. Uh, this vaccine passport thing isn't going away. Uh, climate change is waiting in the wings, as I've said before, to replace uh, COVID tyranny soon after. And um, we've got to continue to fight the good fight. But um, look, I've said this before. Uh, look, if, if you're new to this program, and I hope, I hope there's many new people to this program, uh, the best thing you can do if you like this program is to share it, to get the word out. Because there aren't many like me out there. And that's not to pat myself on the back, but that's just to say that, look, you know, I got into this political realm, this political arena, uh, because I hoped that as a 34-year-old millennial, I could encourage people to stand up for conservatism, that I can encourage people to be proud about their beliefs, that I can encourage people to stand tall in the face of the tyranny and the danger that we face today. And so I would invite you to share this podcast with other people who may be receptive and even those who may not be receptive because the truth is the truth. And that's what we speak here on The Drew Allen Show. So I want to thank you for being with me again today. It's my greatest honor and pleasure to be able to talk to you, uh, my friends, the American people, the brave patriots who, who do our ancestors proud and justice. Uh, the left continually spits on the graves of those brave Americans who have given their lives and sacrificed everything, paid the ultimate price to give us this great inheritance that we enjoy today. And uh, over my dead body, will I be the generation that watches that inheritance uh, go away? Over my dead body, will I be the generation that watches freedom become extinct? Uh, this is Drew Allen. Thank you for listening. And as I always say, until next time.